Sacred Pause with Jessica Winderl. Hi, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the One Sacred Pause podcast. I'm your host, Jessica. And before we dive into this week's episode, I just want to send out a really heartfelt intention that you are safe, that your family is safe, and that you're able to navigate these very uncertain times with a sense of peace and a sense of grace. And I think one thing that can be really helpful during these times is small rituals. So whether that's enjoying a nice cup of coffee, like my husband Jonas, as we'll hear in this episode, or smudging your home with some sage or Palo Santo, or um, giving yourself a little bit of love with a self-massage and abhyanga oil, uh, whatever it is, just taking a little time to slow down, take a few deep breaths, and uh, just let yourself be without doing without putting more expectations onto what things should look like or what's going to happen. So with that being said, um, we have everything up on the Atman Yoga School website for all of the 2021 trainings, um, at least in Oslo and Trondheim, including the 340-hour advanced training that'll be coming up, uh, several different restore trainings, and... Uh, I really hesitate to promote a lot of our offerings during this time. I know so many people are struggling financially or uncertain about their financial future. And so one of the ways in which the Atman Yoga School is trying to help while continuing to run our business, our small business, is um, for the next several months, our deposit for any teacher training is being lowered to 2,000 kroner instead of the regular 400 or 4,500. Um, so that if you do think you want to join in a teacher training and you want to make sure that you save your spot, but you're not able to commit to a full deposit right now, that's totally fine. We understand and want to support you in that. Uh, you can send any questions or request any information at our email, hello at atmanyogaschool.com. And that's all I'm going to say about that. I hope you really enjoy this week's episode. My husband and I had a lot of fun recording it, and uh, it's really personal. There's a lot of information in there that uh, maybe I haven't shared, or you didn't know about us or me. And and if you're not interested, that's totally fine too. Just wait for next week when I'll be back with uh, kind of a, a, a more regular type of guest. But I think it's fun to take a departure from the ordinary and explore something fun and different. So I hope you enjoy it. All right, here we go. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the One Sacred Pause podcast. I'm your host, Jessica, and today is really fun because I'm kind of taking a departure from my normal guests, and I have convinced <laughs> my husband, Jonas, to join me, and we're going to be talking all about just our life, our relationship, our passions, and um, just kind of, yeah, chatting away as we're here in the lockdown. And I thought bringing my husband on was kind of fun because this is a time totally unprecedented um, with everything that's happening with the global pandemic. And really, many of us are uh, spending a lot of time with family, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> and so uh, I just want to welcome my husband. Welcome, Jonas. Thank you. Yeah. How are you feeling? <laughs> yeah, pretty good. Yeah, I just woke up. So um, have morning coffee and yeah. yeah, we had our turmeric shot. We got the dogs around us, and this is our new normal. 
which is really great. Early to it bed, early is. to rise, um, get our day going. And it's, it's actually a real treat, I think, for us to have this time together, even though yeah, yeah. That's... everything's on hold. Every, everyone's life is on hold and our society is on hold. But, um, you know, trying to find the positive, trying to find the silver lining, I think, is really nice. And, and for us, what I think is great is, you know, we can really focus more on just being calm and relaxed and stressing yeah. down before the craziness of our baby comes. <laughs> yeah, that is, that's true. <laughs> yeah, but it's, uh, as we sit here for the morning, with our morning coffee, um, do you want to share about your philosophy on coffee? Because I've never met anybody who cared about coffee as much as you. Well, the whole coffee thing is, is you know, it started years ago, but um, it's about having... You know, your coffee should be of good quality. Um, and I value that just the first cup in the morning really well. And just sets my intention for the day. So if the coffee is crappy, you're not going to have a good day. And if it's good, it's going to be a good day. So that's true. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you definitely um, <clears throat> have trained me, I guess. And when the coffee is not made correctly, you let me know. <laughs> yeah, I, I have that. There's a whole no, technique there, there, involved. There's a specific way of making the coffee, and yeah, it is. I used to be. I will say I was. I used to be a nerd on it. Now I'm probably eased up a little bit on it, but still, yeah. yeah. It's still it's important. Uh oh. Gotta let the dog out. And we're back after the dog break. <laughs> but coming back to this idea of, of what good coffee is and more importantly, what it represents, I think um, that's one of the things that I really admire about you is that you don't have maybe a lot of vices or a lot of distractions, but the things that you care about, you care a lot about. And coffee is, is one of those things. And you know, doing things well and having high quality and enjoying them, I think are really important things to explore. And I think too, that's actually a real kind of example of how our relationship is too. Like in our philosophy on life in general is, no. you know, how can we be more aware of sustainability, more aware of how much we use and we take and can we have more quality things but have less things? And how do we live more organically, more naturally, more uh, aware of the environment? Yeah, and it's, it's, I think it's, you know, when you, you put your focus into something and something you care about, and I think it's, it should be, you know, I would rather put my money into something that will give me something back, you know, quality-wise, if it's good coffee or... If there's my tools or, you know, uh, whatever that can be and you, what you set your, you know, in what feels close to your heart, I guess. Yeah. Um, so just, you know, having those the small things with quality, I think just makes life even just easier to to deal with when, you know, there's tough times, there's, as now, um, yeah, just give you those, those, we'll call it the fun of life. 
Well, it doesn't have to be a big thing. It can be a small thing, like your morning coffee, that can give you a lot of joy. And I think that's something that's lost in a lot of our society is we're so consumed by needing more, bigger, better, you know, this idea of keeping up with the Joneses, which is, of course, an American saying, but, um, you know, I think it translates that so many people, it's very easy to get caught up in like the comparison game and like, oh, well, I don't have what they have. And, oh, I need to, I need a bigger house. I need a fancier car. And, you know, there's a balance between having high quality things that are going to last you for longer, that aren't going to break down, that aren't going to need um, to be thrown out, but then also scaling back on, just like you said, like choosing where to prioritize your energy and creating, you know, rituals. I mean, having morning coffee is actually like a daily ritual. Yeah. And that's a huge yoga thing. Um, even though coffee itself is not yogic yeah. per se, uh, unless it's in small medicinal <laughs> uses. But, you know, having a cup a day is fine or more, I guess, <laughs> for some people, for you maybe. Um, yeah, but I love that philosophy and and that's where you and I really are on the same page. It's like, okay, we want to live a simple life and we want to feel, I think you and I both need to feel grounded and I think we need a little bit more structure in yeah, order to it, feel safe and to feel, you know, connected. Um, yeah. And I think it's just the last, you know, we're talking about, we've been together for eight years. Yeah, I know, married for six. Yeah, married for six. Um, and our life has been, you know, ups and downs oh and God. moving here and there and, you different know, different jobs, different jobs and different cultures. Yep. So, um, I think just yeah, having these moments at home, actually feel something to call home. It's yeah. really important. Absolutely. You know, it was always, you know, I kind of got in more into the outdoors, you know, years, years ago. And, um, you know, the, my philosophy really quickly became like, oh, I'm not getting, getting married. Oh, I'm not, not going to have a house. I'm like, I'm not. I'm just going to live the life and be in the mountains and, you know, do whatever I want. But, well, that changed eight years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, but when we met... Was I was on the same page. We are. Yeah, you were. And you know, but I think as you get older, naturally, you mellow out and naturally things, I mean, your priorities shift a little bit. And, and what made, for me anyways, what made me feel really alive eight, nine years ago doesn't do the same thing for me. Like, I still love to travel and I love adventure, but I actually really love to be home and I love to be still and I love to be quiet and I love... To not be in a rush, which yep. is a pet peeve of yours. Yeah, that is. <laughs> that I'm too slow. <laughs> but it's, you know, because I think, and especially after we met, you know, our life was so crazy and going here and there and doing this and that. And it was like, you know, I don't feel like we ever really had a chance to catch our breath. Oh, that is. I think especially after we got this house, you know, just in the last couple of years that, yeah. you know, things, you know, even though you've been working you work crazy hours. Yeah. And I work crazy hours. Yeah. And um, it still feels, you know, we have a home to come home to. And I think that helps a lot. Yeah. Just to, you know, feel this security and, you know, makes you 
be more calm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, from the Ayurvedic perspective, which I talk about a lot and, you know, I talk to you about is, especially for both of us, I think we have a lot of vata energy, you know, the air and ether, like you get restless really easily I do. and I need do. To, to focus or have a task to help you calm down. And I can get really anxious and overwhelmed. And so I need to, you know, calm that energy down. And, and in Ayurveda, the way you do that is through opposites. So if you're feeling really agitated or really um, uncomfortable in your skin, then the best way to kind of address that is to have routine, to have stability, to eat good nourishing foods, and to get enough sleep. That's a big one. Yep. And we do that really well, for sure. Yeah. You know, and the dogs, we get outside every day hiking or walking the dogs. Oh. No, it is. And it's... Um I think to stay healthy um, routines is one of them that yeah. you actually are. You know, I wish I got, got more exercise. You wish you got more exercise, but um, you know, at the what we are in our life, and you know, we have a baby on the way, and you well, know, and we're we're building our careers. Yeah, we are building our careers. And you know, there's a little bit of a of a give and take with that. I think it's. I mean, I think we do an okay job balancing things, but it's not ideal for sure. No, 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 no. And it's... And that's okay too. It like, is okay. We know and it's, it's temporary. A, it is. It is temporary. And, um, you know, being, I would say like, you know, I was raised or brought up in Norway where you kind of, you're used to, you know, your, your dinners at between four and five. And then, you, you know, we have the time afterwards to, you know, go exercise and play and or whatever you need to do. And but now I think it's just that's been our the hardest thing in the last couple of years after I got my new job. And, yeah. you know, there's the hours. They're not there anymore. Right. You're not home before seven, seven fifteen every night. Yeah. And then it's basically and we go to bed by nine thirty. So, yeah, it's like you eat. Take the dogs for a quick walk and time for bed. Yeah. That's and then you start it, all over again. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, like, it is what it is for right now. So, um, but, you know, ideal, I think, actually how they, you know, I wouldn't say that the A, A4 typical life in Norway, mm. as uh, the Norwegian are used to, um, it can be healthy. Yeah. You know, have that routine. It is a routine. Um, and you know, it gives you time to have an exercise, you know, you've done it for it, your job and, and you can get home and, you know, I think eating a earlier dinner is healthier. I agree. Totally. Um, not at eight. Yeah. What we, we do. Yeah. But you know, the flip side to that too is we're really, I would say too, we're really passionate people yep. and we're passionate about our convictions. We're passionate about our belief system. Yep. And so that's kind of what drives us and what allows us to have this different schedule. Um, and I think that's, you know, we could have that typical life. I mean, we could have had that typical life in the U.S. We could have had that typical life here. But I think that would drive both of us a little crazy. 
It would. You know, and so it's like, it's hard because we have, we have rough days sometimes now where our schedules don't line up. We work a ton. We don't feel like we get enough exercise sometimes. Um, I mean, we, we haven't been skiing. No. And that's so depressing to me. Um, I want to come back and we can talk about how we met skiing, <laughs> but it's, you know, like, it's so depressing to me. Like, uh, you know, I lived in ski towns all of my life basically. And, and, um, you know, but I also am like, all right, that's fine. Because right now the trade-off is that we're working hard, establishing ourselves in careers that we love and positioning ourselves so that we can hopefully have more freedom later in life. Yep. You know, and it's like, we, we don't, I mean, I guess it, it comes back to the idea, like the grass is always greener. We can always find something to complain about. We can always find something we wish was different. Um, but trying to stay positive and, and remind ourselves like, oh, actually we're choosing this life. We're choosing to live this way and, and live a little outside the box. Like that's important to us. It is important to us. And that's, a, you know, that's who we are. It is who we are. Yeah. You know, it's um, just, I think we're, we're such a driven persons too, you know, and passionate about what we're doing. Yeah. Um, which can be good and bad, you know. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I think that just makes everything, you know, makes it work in that yeah. way. Um, yeah. Well, we see the vision and I think we're on the same page. Yeah. You know, and I think that's the important thing, like, for a marriage or a partnership is, like, that you're on the same team and that you have the same goals and you want the same life together. Yeah. You know, and that's, I think, definitely what we have, you know. And, and when we think about having our baby and and raising a child, you know, we're done. I mean, we put it off as long as we could. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. <laughs> but also... I. I don't think, you know, we talked about this. It's like, what happened if we had a, you know, a baby in the States or we're yeah. living there? Like, you know. I don't know how we would have done it. You so. know, and that's, now we, we have a house. Yeah. You know. Yeah. We can. Our income stable. We income know what's stable, happening. We know what's happening. You know, that's, I think that's, you, you need to have that before the, a baby comes. And, yeah. Um, also, I think it was for both of us. It's it's been a really important to feel that we lived. Yeah. You know, um, quite a bit. Yeah, <laughs> I I totally agree. I mean, it's you know, and I forget this all the time, and then sometimes I remember, and I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> you know, that we have. I'm older than you. Like there's yeah. a, there's an age gap, and yeah. that's something like you know when people meet us, I don't think they see that. Because no. you act older and I act younger. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That I think is, is a little bit how it goes. Um, you know, and I like that. I think that's why our relationship worked in the beginning and why it works now. Um, you know, it's crazy. Like, when you think about it, I was 30 and you were 25 when we met. Yep. Which is insane. Like, I, I can't really imagine myself at 30 dating any other 25-year-old. <laughs> Well, I'm not the typical 25-year-old either. No, you weren't. At the time, so. Um, no, and that's why it worked. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, but it is funny because when we met, remember, and I found out you were Norwegian, and I tried to set you up. Well, in my mind, I tried to set you up with my best friend. <laughs> yeah. 
who now is is happily married to her wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think that would happen. So. No, it would, and she laughs about it too. I always joke every once in a while. I'm like, oh, you you could be the one married to Jonas now. <laughs> um, you know, but when we met, I was carefree, and you know, we we well, we met in a gondola in Switzerland, and yeah. that's pretty amazing. Like, I mean, if you think about if either of us had gotten on a gondola before, or a gondola after. We yep. never would have met. That's so weird. And it was, you know, just to me, the message is how do we stay open to possibility and how do we stay awake to like magic moments in our life? You know, it was just like how, because we never know what's going to happen and we never know like what could be around the next corner. And I mean, I certainly was not, I was on a girl's trip with two of my girlfriends. You were on a guy's trip with two of your guy friends. And that day you happened to be skiing alone. I happened to have gotten lost from my friends. And at the time in Zermatt, they didn't have uh, cell phone reception. So you couldn't call on the mountain. No, that is true. Yeah. Yeah. And so we, I had a meeting place with my girlfriends for like around one, um, if we had gotten lost or separated and, and I was racing, you know, it takes so long to get around that mountain. And I was racing to get back to meet them. And I was like, oh, my God, they're going to kill me. What if I can't meet them in time? And, and then I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know, come on, gondola. Come on, go faster, go faster. And it's like creaking along. And then I'm like looking out the window and I saw, you know, just skinny skis, skinny skis, skinny skis. Everybody skiing on piste in Europe. And then I saw a pair of fat skis. And I was like, ooh, that's the first pair of fat skis I've seen besides the ones my friends and I are riding on. And so I look around the gondola and, you know, of course nobody's talking and it's just like, there's six of us in the Gandhi and I'm looking around and I see like these people all in black, all in black. Nope. They don't look like skiers. Nope. They don't look like they'd be on fat skis. Nope. And then I saw you sitting there in the corner and you had a bright blue jacket on and you looked kind of like you knew what was going on. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I Ski did. wise. And I was like, Oh, those are totally his skis. And so I didn't even say anything. I just was like, no, no, what I said was I, I just looked at you and I said, hey, are those your skis? And you were like, yeah. I was like, do you like them? And you were like, yeah, I do. Yeah, that was, that was it. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it's, you know, I always been thinking about this just being such a random thing, though. Like, just, you know, get on, when you got on that gondola and, you know, we started starting talking together and... Did you we, notice me before that, or you were just kind of in your own zone until I said something to you? I noticed you were there. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, just like another person in the gondola. I guess I was like, getting, you know, I saw your skis. Oh, you did? Hanging outside the gondola. Um, so, you know, I definitely yeah. knew it was there. But. Well, and you're probably not, I wouldn't think you would be the type of person who would strike up a conversation with a random girl anyway. No, I, no. That is, um, <laughs> so if I had said something, at least not like at that time, you know, I think, yeah, I, I changed a lot after living in the States and being more, you know, open and outgoing and yeah. I actually like to talk to people. Yeah. Um, but at the moment that when I, I met you, I was, you know, yeah. Yeah. I guess I was just one of those Norwegians who doesn't talk to each other on the bus so <laughs> yeah yeah so why would you talk to the strange girl but at the same way? time it was we started you know talking and 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then you said, do you want to take a run? And I said, yeah, I would like to, but I've got to get off at the Mid-Mountain Station and, and go try and meet my friends. And you got off with me. Yeah, that's true. I remember we bought, or at least I bought, I don't know if you bought, I think you did too. We each got a bottle of water and it was $8 yeah. for one bottle of the teeny tiny thing. And and that was the thing that surprised me. That was my first time in Switzerland. And I was so shocked at how expensive everything was in Switzerland. I was like, oh my God. Yeah, and like I lived Norway. in Aspen. I lived in Park City. Yeah, I think Switzerland's more expensive than Norway. Yeah, maybe. You know, in general. I had chocolate, Or at least Zermatt. I had chocolate with me, though. Well, that was what sealed the deal. Because <laughs> then you open, you had your backpack, and you're like, okay, well, your friends aren't here. And we waited. We had our water. And you open your backpack, and you're like, well, I've got some chocolate. Would you like some? And I was like, uh, would I like some? Yes. I was so impressed. It was Norwegian chocolate, too. Yeah, it was super good. I was so impressed. I had never, you seemed so organized and so like. I was, I was really organized at that time. <laughs> I knew exactly what I had in my backpack. Yeah. So you had water and chocolate and then I was like, well, okay. I can't see my friends until the end of the day when, you know, at the end of the day, all the, on that side of the mountain, everything funnels down into the one. Bar. The one bar, but the one um, line to get on the bus yeah. to go back into town. So I was like, oh, well, we'll I'll definitely find them at the end of the day. Um, yeah. So I was like, okay, well, it's a beautiful day. Let's go ski. And yeah, we, yeah, we skied all afternoon. and Ski the trees. Yeah, it was such good skiing. It was. Man, those were awesome runs. Yeah. Yeah, that is, uh, yeah, it was quite the day. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, the, I mean, that's the best way, I think, to meet somebody. You know? Yeah. Doing the thing you love. And then you know right off the bat if they're a good skier or not. Yeah. <laughs> so are you going to continue the relationship or not? <laughs> yeah. And you are a good skier. You're a I really know. good skier. I know. You know, I had to buckle up and... I know. Put my A-game on. I was in the on. front. Was <laughs> yeah. No, you were. Yeah. I was leading the charge. But you're much, much faster going uphill. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Because I don't like to go uphill. Yeah. This whole ski touring thing. That's, well, I just, that's I don't mind. understand the idea of it. Like, I mean, I get it. You're out in nature and it's beautiful and it's, you're working hard, but like, I would rather go downhill. Yeah, no, it's fun. It's really fun to go downhill too, but it's just that whole. I want to go fast. I, I, I want to go steep. I go, I, want, yeah, I go fast. I go steep. No, I know you do. I know. But, but I just, I also, you know, put my skins on and oh. Right. But if you can only get two to three laps in a day. Touring versus... Well, think about it. Like, for most, most ski tours in Norway, you get one lap in. Yeah. So, for me, that's not... The cost-benefit analysis doesn't work for me. No. But if you live in the Wasatch... Oh. Then you can get as many laps as you want. Well, yes. Yeah, on the lifts. Six. Well, on, and on the lifts. Oh, you're saying touring. Oh, so I'm saying ski touring. Yeah, ski touring. You can get six or seven laps in. Yeah. Well, you can. I can. Andrew McLean can. Yeah. <laughs> you guys can. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of people that can. Yeah, no, but that's it's true. just it's. I think just that comes back to who we are too, though. Yeah. You know. Just. You know, I'm a restless person. I like to work hard. Yeah. Too. Well, you need to use your body. Well, I, I need to use my body too. But in different ways. In different ways. Yeah. That's true. But. So then after that trip, you know, we stayed in touch 
and then eventually you came and it's funny because we've talked about this like you made more of an effort to stay in touch with me yeah i did and and so we did and if you hadn't made that effort we probably would not have stayed in touch because after you know we got both of us got home i think we had our first skype call like the next week yeah exactly. yeah right it away was, yeah it was like yeah i just remember you yeah you, know, you were on your lunch break yeah. In Park City, walking down Main Street. Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. Well, and I was thinking, you know, that's when I was living. I was living in Salt Lake, and my roommate had the dog named Oslo. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Oslo. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Yeah, we just we stayed in touch, and then you came to visit in the summer. Yeah. And that was quite the... It was a really fun trip. It was a fun but, trip. But just... You know, for you, I guess that's, that's the person you are too. It's just, you know, I said like, okay, for me, it was an adventure. That was, you know, was yeah. the first of it. And I had two weeks of vacation. So I wanted to go for two weeks. Yeah. But for somebody you spent a couple of days with and then go spend two weeks with is... You know, a new level. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, okay, sure, come. <laughs> yeah, which is definitely, you know, but I, I think we did. We had a lot of fun on that trip, and um, the reason, you know, how I knew I was interested in dating you after that was because when you left, and I was like, wow, we just spent all this time together, and I didn't get bored. Yeah, I wasn't like trying to find ways to get rid of you. <laughs> <laughs> and I normally, you know, I'm, I'm as extroverted as I am in some ways and you are too, like we're both introverts and, and no. like our private time and our alone time. I mean, I need a lot of alone time Yeah, that's same for to me feel, too. to feel good. And, um, you know, especially with like, if you're starting to date somebody or you're not sure if you want to date somebody like, you know, having a lot of condensed time with them can be really iffy you know you're like okay that was after three days okay that was fun time to go time to go you know and so we had spent all this time together for two weeks and then it was time for you to go and I was like oh actually I could have spent more time with him no you know I wasn't tired of you and I wasn't like I think we both even though you can be a lot more restless than I can for sure I think both of us at our core really actually calm people yeah and you know you're still working a little bit yeah so I think that yeah. So you got to go biking in Park City and yeah, I got to. Yeah. You know, we went hiking in the Wasatch and yeah. I mean, there was a lot of you. You did have some alone time. I did, and you got to adventure and you know it was a beautiful summer. It was hot but beautiful. Yeah, no, it was. Yeah, I did a lot of camping and climbing and yeah, yeah. I was thinking about that the other day too. I mean, this was much later. It was probably after you moved to the states, but. Do you remember we, that one the, one, the only time I've been trad climbing was in Big Cottonwood? Yeah. Yeah. And we did, I think, like six pitches or something? Yeah, it was four four pitches. Four? Yeah. Oh, well, it seemed like a lot to me. Yeah. And it was so fun. It was so cool. When I think when we go back to Salt Lake sometime, we should do that again. Yeah. It was... No, it was really fun. Yeah, it was really fun. You know, and that's kind of too, like, coming back to, like, the idea of, of passions and how... You can have different passions from your partner. Like you're really passionate about climbing 
and I'm really passionate about yoga. And we both have an interest in that. Like I'm interested in climbing, you're interested in yoga, but it's not like our number one thing. And then together we both are obsessed with skiing. Yeah, it's, you know, we have skiing together. Yeah. Um, but I think it's also just important that support you give to try. Yeah. Yeah, to just show up and be like, okay. Show up and, you know, just not, you don't necessarily need to love it. Yeah. Which I actually, I, I, I think I got more into yoga than you got into climbing. Yeah, I would say so. But, but I also think yoga is easier to access. It is. You know, like you could, you had free yoga. You could just come to the studio. Yep. To my class or we could go take a class together. It's only an hour out of your day. Yep. Um, whereas climbing, you know, it's a whole day affair or half a day affair and you've got to drive and you've got to have the equipment and, you know, there's more into it. It is more into it. Yeah, it is. Which is fun. But I think for me, what happened was I just got, especially, you know, when I started the Atman Yoga School and I was really focused on creating that and still am focused on that, you know, my time just gets eaten up in other things. Yeah. You know, it's hard for me to take, take a day off to just go and do something, you know, like that is the other trade off, you know, and, and balancing that, hoping, hoping that's not how it's always going to be. No, and it's, I think, I actually feel the same for me right now. Yeah. You know, from the last couple of years, it's been not, you know, doing my passions has been on hold, I would say. Yeah. Um, and that's, it took me a while to just get, just saying, okay, this is it for now. Yeah. And I know there's going to be more time yeah. in the future. Um, and just be okay with that. Because when it happened to me back in the days, and if I didn't go climb and I felt out of shape or didn't get to go ski touring or I got really stressed. Yeah. Like extremely stressed. I almost got mad about it, you know, and that's when you're passionate about something that's, that is tough. But I think that's what, after meeting you and, you know, being married to you, it helped me a lot. Yeah. Just to, you know. Put it in perspective. Put it in perspective. Yeah. And just tell yourself, oh, it's okay, you know. Yeah. This isn't going to last forever. And, you know, I mean our passions are so deeply rooted in who we are that it's, it wouldn't be possible for us to never do them again. No. Like, then, then, and it's then like, it would I, be I like, guess I also for me, you know, I, I work in the outdoor industry and I get to talk about this every single day yeah. for, yeah, as long as I, I'm at work. So I guess that helps a lot too. Yeah. You're still in, in the, yeah, in you're the in the scene, in the scene. Yeah. You get to go to ISPO and talk to other people and, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, yeah, you're not complete. You're not just sitting at some desk job that is computing numbers and you're not yeah. doing anything related to your passion or, you know, same with me. I mean, a lot of the back end of my job is all paperwork and bills and, you know, that's not 
the fun part, but it's, it's part of my job, which I love, which is all about yoga and talking about yoga and teaching yoga. And so it's, you know, I think that's coming back to what I said earlier about how we are people who want to live outside the box. Like we've found a way to have careers that are, you know, we're not sponsored athletes (laughs) living in our tiny home, chasing the storm, but we are still doing what we love to some degree. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that it, requires sacrifice. It is. Yeah, it requires sacrifice. But it's also, I feel, you know, in the times we're living with Instagram and Facebook and, you know, both for you in your industry with yoga yeah. and for in the outdoor scene, you know, where we have these athletes that goes out and push the boundaries and, you know, there's a new lines skied or climbed and, you know, it is really easy to get kind of jealous. Yeah. Um. Well, the Wasatch had an amazing snow year. They did. Um, and seeing everybody posting about skiing and all the pow, and I was like, no. I'm sitting here in Oslo, and our, there's no snow on the ground. <laughs> yeah, it's been. I think this year has been rough since, you know. It's been a weird year. It's been a weird year. But it just, you know, I think I, I used to compare myself not that it could be on their level of like, you know, you have a pro athlete or whatever, but you know, you, Oh, I want to be like him or I want to be like, you know, what they do. And I think that's, you know, you, you probably, it takes you a little while, but you, when you get out of it, it's like, you just got to be your own person and, yeah. um, and being okay with that and, you yeah. know, do what you lo- like to do or love to do and do it in your way. Yeah, because it's so easy to get drawn into that. This whole social media yeah. concept of living, when reality is not like that. Yeah, and it it doesn't have to be. And I mean, you're a very strong athlete when you're able to be yeah. doing stuff every day. Yeah. You know, strong skier, strong climber, and you know when we first met, the first few years, you know and. And you were tossing around the idea of maybe becoming a guide and we were kind of, you know, thinking about what, what our life was going to look like, you know, as we were starting to get married and we're newly married. Um, you know, and I always asked you, I was like, oh, well, why don't you enter a competition or why don't you go sign up for something? And you're, you were always like, no, I don't want to because I know how seriously I take competition. Yeah. And takes the fun out of it. Yeah, and you knew that about yourself. Yeah. You know, and and for me, I'm the other I'm kind of the opposite where like I love to compete, but I also don't take it seriously. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I did the first this was before we met, but the first stand-up paddleboard competition I entered and <laughs> I came in dead last place because I took so long on the lake. I was with Vanessa yeah. and I took so long you had to cross the lake and then come back. And I took so long that the weather changed and the wind came up and it was blowing against me as I was paddling, coming back on the second leg of the race. And eventually they sent the boat out to get me. <laughs> I didn't even finish the competition <laughs> because I took so long. <laughs> but it was like so much fun. It was like I had the best time. So that's that's a difference between you and I, you know, a little bit with the competition too. Like I love a competition. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Let's Let's go. I'll sign up. And then... I don't care, yeah. you know, so much. Um, yeah, that's funny. Gosh. But this it kind of described us 
a little bit who we are as persons, though. Yeah. You know, we talked about this a lot, like throughout the years, about how different we are, the yeah. different cultures, or um, you know. Yeah, we have different backgrounds. Like, different backgrounds. Yeah, you know. we have a lot of differences. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about that a lot in the beginning our in our relationship, how different we were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Different education, different, yeah, mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. View of things and... Yeah, but I think our views have gotten more similar. No, and that's, I mean, that's the, for sure. Like We've always had the big picture. We always had the big picture, but it's... To get into that big, like the same frame, yeah. <laughs> uh, both of us, uh, plus you know, moving here. You know, I moved to the states a couple yeah. of years. You, you know, you came to Norway. Yeah, well, that was hard. It was, you know, we met, we started dating, we went back and forth like every few months. One yep. of us would go back and forth between Norway and for a week, a Salt Lake for a week at a time. Yeah, and then, yeah, we start, well, and what's so funny, you know, I love bad reality TV. (laughs) You hate it. And, you know, one of the shows that I just love so much because it's so bad is 90 Day Fiance on TLC. (laughs) And, And I love it because these people are such whack jobs. And it's like, well, of course the relationship's never gonna work because they've met for one day and they're just crazy people. And, you know, a lot of people think that if you marry an American, you get a green card right away. And that hasn't been the law since like the 70s. You know, you have to go through it's this a, whole it's process. A big process. Lots of interviews. I don't think we were like, we didn't understand it either. Before. Well, I mean, I thought I did. I still think I do. I just. The law had changed right before we put our application in. And so I think that created that backlog. Um, So we did a fiancé visa. Yeah, we did. And that's... took me, yeah, about nine months to get the the visa in in the mail. I packed my bag in a day. Well, you quit your job. Yeah, I quit my job. I came to the States for three months on a tourist visa. Yeah. We lived in Park City. And then... You know, we got the apartment. We I went back to Norway. You went back to Norway, and you just were waiting. Just waiting. Yeah, because we thought we'd get it in four or five months. Yeah, and so yeah, our lives were totally on hold. And then it came, and and you were you came for New Year's. Yeah, twenty fourteen. You made it. Well, yeah, it was twenty thirteen in the end of the year. Twenty fourteen. Right, you're right. It was the end of twenty thirteen, and then. Moving into 2014. And then, yeah, so you packed your bags and you moved. <laughs> yeah. You're like, see you later. I'm on the plane. I'm, I'm moving to the U.S. Yeah. I wasn't, yeah, didn't have any thoughts. It was just, I was ready. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Like, it's so amazing to me. Like, you know, there's the immigration debate in the U.S. And then, of course, immigration debate in Norway. And, you know, we went the right, the correct route. Like, yep. we didn't go try to do anything illegally we didn't try to cut corners we did everything right and it's I just I can't I have a hard time understanding how so many people are able to immigrate I mean I don't I can't remember exactly how much money we spent but it was it was five six seven thousand dollars yeah probably something like that you know and that was just for one person you like I don't get how people can bring whole families to the U.S. 
you know, and, and I spoke English and I understood the, the legal system, you know, so when I was filling out all the paperwork and, you know, could call and ask and I could be pushy and, you know, if you're an immigrant from a country where maybe you don't speak English or you're not as comfortable, confident with the government, I just, yeah, boggled my mind, you know, and I was so frustrated, so frustrated. I just like, you know, I broke down a few times for sure. I was like, ah, why isn't this working? Why can't we just get the visa? Yeah, it, it was, it was just a process, you know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when we finally got it. Yeah, then you came and. You couldn't work. You couldn't work. We, we had 90 days, so that part's right. We had 90 days to actually legally get married. <laughs> yeah, it took us about two weeks. Two weeks, we got married at the courthouse. And you always laugh because the, the lady who was going to officiate, she was like finishing up her Big Mac yeah. when we walk in and she's like, Shuffling papers, eating her Big Mac. Okay, just a second. <laughs> Actually, it was, yeah, it it was, was quite. Nice. I just, yeah, I think about all these things. At the you know? courthouse, yeah. I always, I said this several times, you know, the first time I met your family. And, oh, uh, yeah, that was fun. Say American Thanksgiving. Yeah, it was American Thanksgiving. And yeah. I got a speeding ticket on that trip. And yeah, you, you did. And we got and pulled I, over. I, I, and you I, said, oh, my God, it's like American Cops, yeah, the TV I show. And it just, it felt like I was in a movie. Yeah. This whole thing. Yeah. You know, what I mean, watching in movies and TV shows throughout my life, it was like, oh my God, I'm living it. <laughs> so that was, yeah. Yeah. Really funny. Yeah, it was funny. It was really funny. Yeah. And you had to get a learner's permit to drive. So yep. that was, that was a few months. That was a few months. And we had to wait, I think, how long, it, it did take three or four months for you to get a work permit. It took about, yeah, between... I got in January applied, so I didn't get it before in mid-May. Yeah, so five months, four, four or five months. You know, and that's the thing, too. Like, when you look at this TV show, you know, and these people, you know, because whoever's the sponsor, me, has to be able to financially support the person. And, you know, they look through my bank records and all that stuff. And considering... You know, you get the visa, you're like legally allowed to come to the States, but you can't legally work No. for a few more months because you can't apply for your work visa until you get your green card and you've gotten married. Or you get your, yeah, you got to get and married. Because then we had to resubmit more paperwork showing we were legally married and yeah, I mean, it was just like ongoing, ongoing, ongoing process, you know, and that's stressful for you. And I think as a, you know, a young man not being able to work. Yeah, and it's it was yeah it was luckily you know we're living in Park City and I got to ski sixty days that I know season so we bought you a ski pass and couldn't afford to buy me one yeah I got the day passes yeah you got the day passes Um, so you know that made it easier and we lived two blocks from the lift but it also you know you worked a crazy amount of hours right because I had to make the money make money and you know forty hours at the city and then another. 20 doing yoga throughout mm-hmm. the week you know i was definitely not used to that you know, coming no. from norway with somebody work 50 60 hours a week and and i was commuting and you were commuting down yeah. to salt lake to teach yeah yeah no, i think rough. that that was really rough it was super rough i didn't really see you those first no and unfortunately it was a bad snow year yeah, it was so the skiing snow. wasn't that great no it wasn't so that was too bad but then we had our big wedding in the summer in July, yep. and everybody came for that. We were up at Alta for the whole weekend, which was beautiful. 
That was fun. And you had your coffee station. You loved Uh, my coffee station. That was the one thing you wanted. Yeah. You didn't care about anything else, but you wanted good coffee. Yeah. And you made it. I made it. Yeah. And you taught the guy there to how to make it. The the Norwegian French press coffee. Yeah. But he had to do it the right way. Yeah, it's the right Mm -hmm. way. The only way. The only way. The Jonas way, as you say. (laughs) That's the Jonas way. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. And then we moved down to Salt Lake and I was teaching. I was teaching. You were teaching? Yep. You were a climbing coach. Yeah. I think that I just, I've been thinking about it lately and coming into the American culture was, it was rough. It is a, as I, I call it, a raw culture. You know, there's all these things happening and um, yeah, really unlike Norway. Yeah. It is. And it took me a long time to actually just adjust to the whole yeah. scene. And I think that surprised both of us. It surprised both of us. Yeah, I think it did. Because we weren't expecting there to be such a big culture shock. No. I think like work-wise for me, it was, I, I ended up, even though you know you made whatever amount you made, I still got lucky in that way. You know, I had a a good boss, mm-hmm. Andy, um, and a job you loved, and a job I loved, and that I think that made the whole experience way better. Yeah, I think so for sure. Well, you just had like a place for you to go where you could be yourself and do what you loved, and you know, you. Yeah. I think you felt a little lost. In, in the American culture and not understanding how un... I'm trying to think of the right word. Like how unedited it is. Yeah. Like anything goes. Like it's the... It yeah. is. It's kind of like the Wild West. And, it is the Wild West and... Yeah. And as an American in America, like you don't feel that way because you obviously you don't. It's your culture. You don't notice that. You know, and you and I struggled with that at the beginning of our marriage. Yeah. You know? you weren't happy with some of the American culture and, and I didn't understand why you couldn't just understand, you know, cause in my eyes it was so easy and, yeah. but, but, you know, so it took me a while to understand like, okay, this is, this is totally normal, you know, for you to feel this way. Yeah. And I have to be understanding of that. And I think too, that's an important part of a relationship or a marriage is, you know, we need to always try and see the other person's point of view. Yeah. And even when it's hard for us to understand, like, keep trying to come back to it and be like, okay, well, why are they feeling this way? And what can I do to help? And, you know, I think that's hard, though. It is hard. Especially when you feel, like, validated in your own opinion. Yeah. You know? Because you were so excited to move to the States. You couldn't wait, and you thought it was going to be this most, like, Yeah, awesome yeah, yeah. I thought it was, like, this was going to be, like, in the ski movies, right? <laughs> yeah, and then reality sets in. We got to work. We got to pay our bills. And it's, like... Oh, it was... Yeah, and I think, too, like, you come from a really small town in Norway. Oh, yeah, I do. Where you're used to just knowing... The, you, the people yeah, you know I, are the people you grew up yeah, with. Yeah, that's true, too. Even though I, you know, I live in the bigger cities and... And, and stuff, but it it's so different. Yeah, you know it can't. Well, I mean, you were shocked. You know, we we talked. I talk about this with people all the time. It's like being a tourist in this in the states is just fantastic. Yeah, big country, all these different cultures, all these things. But when you are going to live and you know 
hand to mouth. Yeah. Basically living. Yeah. Which in Norway, we do have a different system. You know, we're less people. We have this, you know. Yeah. The oil fund. Oh, oil fund. And we have all these things. And uh, I think that was just a big, big thing. Yeah. Well, the the culture is just a lot looser in America. It is a lot looser. And there's a lot more freedom, I think, in a way, be how you are. Be who you are. Be creative. Be, and yeah, just be who you are. Pretty yeah. much, I think. Yeah, there's it no. Wasn't, it wasn't. There was not any set terms. There's right. like there's right. You yeah. make the rules. You make yeah. You make the rules as long as you follow the law. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was the. It, yeah, it took me a while, and I think it took me. A couple of years after we moved from there to actually process the whole thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and I think if we were ever to move back to the U.S., like you would know it. We wouldn't both know what to expect, and it would be a very different experience. It would be a different experience, and you know, we, and yeah. we'd be older, and you know, all that stuff. But I think for the first time, it was really shocking, and for both of us. Yeah. And. Yeah, and it's it's very interesting too. Now you know, so we were there for a few years, and and I think you felt really unsafe in America. Um, I did both for your physical safety, like you're like you know, there are people shooting around. Like yeah, it's not out. just that the shoot. Yeah, yeah, it's like people you know drink and drive, and it's yeah. just like this whole other norm of living, and we call it being it normal. Right. Um. You know, one night we woke up living in Park City and the cops chasing this, yeah, this guy was high and driving his car and yeah, all of this thing in the crash, you know, outside our house. Right. That was right. I forgot about that. Right behind our house. Yeah. You know, in the middle of the night, you're just like, yeah, well, just what you see in the movies. <laughs> yeah. But you also felt really unsafe in terms of there's no government support. Definitely. And you know, you got sick. You had you were really sick. You had um, what was that? I had a you know uh, a virus on the balance nerve. Right, but what do you what is that called? That was um, starts with an S. Was it no shingles? That, yeah, I also I got shingles, which is a totally <laughs> different thing. Yeah, uh, but also yeah, I had those two things happening and vertigo. That's what it was. I had vertigo. vertigo. Yeah. And you were on the couch for weeks and couldn't work and couldn't walk and yeah, I couldn't work and wa- walk. Didn't get paid. Yeah. No money. There's, I think that kind of set, set the whole thing for me. It's like, okay, what do you think? You know, if my health is going <laughs> down the toilet right now, I, <laughs> I think I would rather do it in Norway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it's just, God, we've dealt with so much weird stuff throughout our entire relationship. I mean, it was such a, you were young and healthy. Like those two things yeah, don't like, attack I, young men. And somehow yeah, getting you got the shingles, yeah, which is called helvetesil <laughs> ponorsk. It's like what, yeah, used to get back in the days, and <laughs> little, you know, you passed your prime prime time, I would say. Um, <laughs> but yeah, geez, everything was attacked. But, yeah, and I just don't. I still don't understand why I got these things. Yeah, I'm I don't know. Probably stress. I did stress a lot. You were stressed. You were. Because we didn't make much money. Didn't make much money. You know, we had 
you know, we made by. Yeah, we made by. We could pay our bills and eat. And, and we ate, I would say, fairly healthy in the last, uh, most of the time. Yeah. Even sure. though it was easier to me to, you know, go and grab a burger for lunch or. Yeah. I ate pretty healthy. But that's because I was right next to the Whole Foods, too. So I could yep. just go and pick up something in between my classes. Or, um, Yeah, we got our first dog there, Bodie. Yeah, we did. And then... And then we decided to move to Norway. Oh. The end of 2015. So we put all that in motion. I don't even remember, like, how, how the whole process went. Like, I think... Because we moved by, like, Christmas, before Christmas, you moved, and we went over to Norway, and we did a big load, like, took, you know, moved a ton of our stuff, and we, we were out of our apartment already. I think our, our lease had ended in, like, October, November yep. of 2015, and then you moved, and you were starting a job, I think, in January, maybe. Well, I got lucky you got my my old job back. Right. Um, but it wasn't just for me to move back either. I got to show that I was going to have an income and that I had a place to live. And Right. So it was kind of like the same way. Well, you know, but I did the paperwork for my work visa. And Which was, was, yeah. And I had to show that I could create an income for myself and support myself yeah. so that I wasn't a burden on the state. So I don't, I don't think we ever submitted any of your information. No, I just, when I, when I... I mean, the marriage certificate, probably, but no. Well, no, yeah, that's either. true, too, but, um, you know... I just, we just had to tell the government we were I had married. to tell the government, but the government also, you know, they had to have, you know, the, all the papers that actually had an income for six months and, uh, and housing. Yeah. So, but it was, yeah, the housing It was I had not to just show. to, like, move back and live off the government. It doesn't work that. Yeah. Okay. You had to do that. Yes, I had you to did. Because for my visa, they didn't care that we were married. Like we chose. No, you are here or not. It's, they we, still, yeah, they know they were married, but. <laughs> they know we're married, but I'm not here because we're married. No. Um, we, we could have done one of two things. We could have done the family visa. Yep. Which would have taken a lot more time, been way more expensive, and it would have been, you know, yeah, and it would check be, to make sure you're really married, and it's a real yeah. It's, it's not just that, but also I had to show an income and for a certain yeah. amount of money, and show, showing an income when you're living living right. in, in the states, hand, you were yeah, hand to mouth in the states. Yeah. It's not. That's true, and the work visa was actually going to be a lot faster and a lot cheaper. Yeah, to for a skilled worker and three weeks. Three weeks it was so fast, which is pretty amazing. You know, I got approved and I was living, I was couch surfing at my friend's house. So this was early 2016, couch surfing, teaching full time, just waiting for my visa. And then I was going to pack up and move. And that was when I was doing like all the last minute things. Like I had all our stuff in storage. So I was like trying to sell all the last few things and, you know, close up weird bank accounts we didn't need anymore and all that stuff. And then I went to the doctor for like a routine checkup thing, you know, on my wrist and then. Yeah, you, you got a better health insurance. After, yeah, I got a really good health insurance because <laughs> I thought I was only going to be there for a month. In this, so it was worth it to pay for that one month before I moved to Norway and canceled. Yeah. Yeah, I went and got my hair done, cleaned my teeth, like all that stuff. And then, you know, I told the story of, of my cancer journey on a previous podcast episode, but, you know, it was such a 
absolute shock. You know, I almost didn't go back because I had a surgery to remove the cyst in my wrist and we thought it was just a ganglion cyst, no big deal. I'd had it for a few years. It was really painful, but it was like no biggie. And then I had to go back two weeks later to get the stitches out. And I almost didn't go because I was like, oh, I was driving up to Idaho to say goodbye to my parents. And I was like, oh, I'll just go to a dock in the box and have them take the stitches out. But, but I already had the appointment. And I was like, I'll just go. So I went. And then that's when the doctor, you know, sat me down. And she was like, well, first of all, stitches look good. No infection. And then second of all, we have to talk about something really serious. You know, and it's just like that was such an out of body experience where my body got so hot and tingly and I didn't feel like I was in the room yep. when she was like, you have cancer and it's it's very serious. You have to take care of it now. We've already made appointments. And you, I mean, it just it was like such a surreal. How how is that my reality? I'm healthy. I'm just about to move like um, I didn't feel sick. You know, no. And that was tough. I called my mom first because I was supposed to drive up and, you know, so I told her I wasn't coming. And then I, and I was still at the hospital because I couldn't, I couldn't leave. They they brought me some cookies and some juice and, you know, gave me some alone time to try and calm down before I drove. (laughs) And, and then I called you. Yeah. So you would have been home from work. I was home. Yeah. In Toronto. Because my appointment was like at nine in the morning or something. Um, do you remember that phone call? Yeah, I still do. Oh. Sitting on the floor, um, crying. Yeah. Didn't really know was what just happened. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just. Yeah, it's so it's hard to explain that 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 whole situation because you know I had a job. I was living in Norway. You're in the, still in the States. Yeah. These, all these, you know, and this thing happening. Yeah. You know, I think that it's, you know, how this whole, how stressful is, was for you dealing with, you know, you your cancer and you got to figure things out and doing all of that. But, Normally it would help. You know, you had your mom and dad, but I was, your husband is on the other side of the Atlantic. Right. Not to have your partner there is really tough, really tough. You know, and there's so much uncertainty whenever anybody gets a, a diagnosis that's not good, you know, to not have family close or, you know, my parents were close and I ended up going and staying with them for a few weeks. Um before I had to go back to Salt Lake and start treatment. But, you know, you want to be close to people you love. No. You know, but then for you too, you don't know what's happening. You're you're just having to go to work every day and you're living by yourself. You had the dog, had which dog. was good. No. You know, but you're far away and you don't, you don't have any control over the situation. And it's, you know, you just you feel so helpless. Yeah. We did feel helpless you know and that's you know i came for two weeks during your second surgery second surgery but it was also 
in that process of being there for each other, I also had a, you know, that was the hard part with, you know, I couldn't just be in the States. I had to, right. you know, keep the apartment, keep the job before right. the bigger picture because you you were about to move. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was so crazy. And I mean, that's just a testament to Norway too. Like you had just started your job again and they were able to give you a two week sick leave yeah. because your wife was sick. So you could come back to the U S and be with me. And actually I got to leave the country too, which is not the, yeah. Yeah. You have to have a reason for that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. It's being there two weeks. And yeah. That was just, it was, I don't was even it. remember those two weeks. I remember being in the hotel. Yeah. And it was and my just mom like, came a, down yeah, it was a weird hotel. And well, that, that hotel was weird. The cancer hotel, the yeah. first cancer hotel was weird, oh, and, you know, and it's like, I, I feel bad saying that because it's such a, a benefit for so many people like yeah. who have to travel and can't afford to stay somewhere when they have, you know, massive medical bills and, you know, so we were eligible to stay at this cancer hotel during my, before, how long no. did we stay there for? We were no, there just, just a, a few, few nights. Yeah, a few nights. Yeah. Where else were we for two weeks? We were in the other hotel for a few days when my mom came after the surgery. You know, I think just this I, like, whole, don't even remember. No, it's just like a blur. Yeah. I don't know. Everything was just a blur. I think we ate at the Red Iguana once. Favorite Mexican. Yeah. <laughs> That's about all like, I remember yeah, but, from that but, time. But I think this is for a lot of people, though, is, you know, when you're in a situation like that and you get stressed and you yeah. you're, you don't have clear thoughts and, you know, everything just seems like... Yeah, it's a fog. And it I is think a that, fog. And I think that's a really foggy period of our marriage. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's true. I mean, your body, it's a defense mechanism. Your body shuts down to focus just on what's most important no. at hand, you know? And we, there was a lot of uncertainty. Like, synovial sarcoma is a super rare cancer, and there's not a lot of information. I mean, there's some, but not a lot. It's there's a lot of unknowns. It's not like breast cancer, prostate cancer, and um, you know, just and it was so weird. I think that was the thing that was the hardest is it was just like so weird to get that kind of a diagnosis. Like it was so out of the blue. Yeah, but yeah, and, and you you get that, and but you think about the whole the situation where you know we were living in Salt Lake, even though I already moved back, but yeah. the best doctor in one of them in yeah. the world was based in Salt Lake. Yeah. I mean, we got so lucky and I got the best treatment ever, which was amazing. So you just know, like, how, like the, how life is, like how we kind of, you know, yeah. random things. Yeah. You know, but then I moved into the cancer hotel or the, um, the hospital. No, it wasn't the hospital. It was the American Cancer Society house that they had just built. Like, and it had opened a month before. It was so beautiful and new. And so I lived there for a while while I had to go and get my treatments. You know, and that was weird, living by myself and just going by myself every day. But yeah. But then everything ended. I was healthy. Yeah, I got the all clear. Yeah. And six days later, I was, I was in Norway. Yeah. And three weeks after that, I started working, which was crazy. But then, you know, and so we tried to settle into our life in Norway and, you know, then the same thing happened where it's like, I couldn't get paid. I, I had the right to work, but I didn't have the right to get a bank account. 
Yeah, before you had all your numbers and yeah, and that took so long. So I couldn't. I even though I could work, I couldn't get paid until a few months later. So that was weird. And then, um, yeah, and you know, and the thing that that is the hardest about that period is, of course, you know, that I was in such shock and grief and everything after the whole experience, you know, and I moved to a new country. So it was like a double whammy because the immigration part was same thing. Like I experienced a really big culture shock moving to Norway and, and I think, and that surprised me, you know, it's like we'd done it once and we were surprised (laughs) culture shock to the U S we do it a second time and we're surprised again. And I'm like, how did we not learn from the first time that there's probably going to be some culture shock here and, you know, trying to figure out the differences and, and that, is really tough, you know, and I think that can put a strain on a marriage too. Like, how do you, especially when it's your your culture, like you came to my culture first yep. and I didn't get offended, but I was certainly like struggling to understand why you didn't like parts of America and yep. the American culture. And then it was the same way and to some extent still is the same way. Yep. You know, you're not offended. No, I'm not offended in that way, but... Because I think I understand it more now. Yeah. When um, when I moved there to the states too, it's like when I just it's things like add up a little bit more. Yeah. And you can put things in you. Okay, you're wiser. You you can totally see this. Hold on, I gotta take the last dog out. <laughs> This is our life. Dogs in, dogs out. Yeah. <laughs> dogs in, dogs out. Yeah. But it's, um, I can say, maybe I got, like, not offended, but that's the same thing you say. Like, it was hard to understand. Like, okay, we have this, you know, we have an apartment. We make, you know, some money now. And, like, this is just, the grass should be greener. Mm-hmm. Um, all the reasons we moved to Norway. It was all the reasons. To have more stability, to maybe make more money. To feel more stable. Yeah. But then, you know, for me, it, it was tough and still is tough to some degree. Like, the lack of variety in the country and, and the lack of um, openness to some, yeah. some degree. You know, Americans, I think, are very, very open, very creative, very innovative. And, and energetic. Not all of them. Yeah, energetic for sure. Very friendly. And, you know, of course, that's a generalization. You can find Americans who aren't that way. But as a whole, that's kind of our culture and that's sort of our cultural mentality is like, oh, hey, how's it going? Oh, what's up with you? Oh, you know, like we'll strike up a conversation with anybody (laughs) for the most part. Um, And then coming to Norway where I had to navigate, like that's not the normal. And in fact, people think you're really weird if you're too outgoing or you're too friendly or you're too energetic. And you know, so trying, realizing that I might have to kind of tone down my natural enthusiasm for life a little bit is tough. And then also, you know, I'm in the yoga and wellness space and it gets frustrating when I can't find the tools that I need to do my job or to live my life the way I want to, um, you know, and then I have to import everything and then it gets super, super expensive. And then it's, you know, where in the States, something would cost me $3 and I could get it shipped on Amazon Prime. <laughs> Here, it ends up being, you know, then you add in the shipping and now all of a sudden I'm over the 350 kroner limit and then I get the toll and the extra tax 
and I'm paying 600 kroner for an item that's $3. Yep. <laughs> and it's like, oh my God, but I really, really need that tongue scraper or whatever you know the case might be. And so for me, that was what was so frustrating is like, I can't understand why some things are so difficult in just living here. You know, and I, I get it. Everything's always different. And, and I don't think there's any one perfect place to live. Um, and I think here's the thing that's really important for us. And I think for maybe a lot of people listening too is, you know, we have to always remember that we have a choice in everything that we do and in how we live our life. And if we don't like something or it is distressing us to a point that we can't handle or our emotional stability is being compromised, then we need to make a change, you know? And so I always remind myself of that. I'm like, okay, well, there are things that I struggle with living in Norway, but there's also a lot of benefits to being here, you know? And then it's the same, it's same with the U.S. Like there's a lot of benefits to living in the U.S. There's a lot of variety. There's a lot of competition. There's a lot of um, encouragement to be innovative um, but there's no support from no. the government or from your community. Like you're on your own. And we look at like this time now with the coronavirus and, you know, we're just so lucky to be in Norway no. when this is happening. And, you know, I'll, so many of my friends and people I know in the States are screwed because they, they are entrepreneurs and they are taking a risk like I am, but there's no support for them whatsoever. If their yoga studio is shut down or, um, their, you know, music gig gets canceled or people aren't paying for graphic design services or whatever it is, you know, if you don't have your own safety net, then you're in a really bad spot. It is. And I think just, you know, we talked about this in the last week or so, just how, where we live, why we just ended up at this place. Mm-hmm. Not just because of the virus and stuff, but this also, it is, you know, we have really few few neighbors. <laughs> I know. It's you you can count the houses around us. Um, we're in the country. We live like an hour outside of Oslo. And we chose this place because it's quiet and there's not a lot of people. <laughs> it's like that meme going around. You, I don't know if you've seen it, but there's a meme going around. And it said something like, um, uh, how you know you're an introvert when the coronavirus quarantine doesn't really impact your daily life. <laughs> yeah, I would probably actually say that. <laughs> I mean, our life... I, don't, I yeah. don't feel impacted. The only thing I know, like, I'm not going to work. Yeah. That's the only thing. Yeah. But I'm doing the same thing at home. You know, I'm renovating the, the bedroom. and Yeah, you know, we're walking the dogs. We're, we're cooking dinner. We're walking the dogs because there's, you know... Yeah. Well, there's nobody on our trails, so... No. It's, I mean, we're still in... No, we're still not. in isolate. I mean, we're, we self-isolate all the time anyways. Yeah. I think that's awesome. I mean, I do too, because, and, and we need that because it helps balance, Yeah, you know, when we work long hours and we commute and I travel a lot, you travel some for work and yeah. it just, you know, we need to have our home as our sanctuary and we need it to be a safe place and we need it to be quiet because we have so much mental chatter going on. We do. You know, there's a place to disconnect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just, yeah, be be mellow and calm. And, and I think that's it. the important thing for me, again, is that I can do whatever I want to do, you know. Yeah. I work in the yard or you know, 
build stuff or stuff like that. I can do that. Yeah. Having, have another cup of coffee. I can have another cup of coffee. You know, just like <laughs> it's not a limit. Yeah. I think that's when you, even though the situation is what it is right now, we, you know, we have our careers going and all of that. But yeah. I think that's, and you know, I'm not skiing every weekend or doing this thing. I, if as long as you have that home base to, yeah. you know, you can be creative at home or, yeah, make stuff. Yeah. Yeah, well, do other things too, that you like. Yeah, yeah, do other things. You Life know. isn't as bad. Yeah. After all. Yeah. Well, and that was part of the reason we left Trondheim, too. You know, we lived in Trondheim for two years because that was the easiest place to move to because that was, you know, where yep. you had been living and working before we met or when we met, I guess. Yep. And then as my business was growing in Norway, it made more sense to be closer to the airport, to be closer yep. to Oslo. Um, I, I wanted to be closer to Oslo anyways. And so we moved, we bought our first house, which was super exciting. And, you know, and I think that too is, is a reflection on our like belief system. We bought a smaller house that needs some renovation and some work, but we wanted to do that to kind of make it our own. Um, but also like thinking about our impact, you know, on how much we use, how much we take having a smaller house or choosing to have one child um, for a lot of different reasons, yep. but, you know, trying to be minimalistic a little bit in how minimalistic and sustainable yep. in how we live our life. And, you know, of course we, we consume things and we spend money on things and we buy things, yep. but can we be a little bit more mindful, you know, in the types of products that we use in the house and, you know, trying to be away from chemicals as much as possible. And yeah, I think we're taking care of our bodies, taking care of our minds. And just how much space do you, you really need? Yeah. You know. Yeah, but but then there's also the trade-off of, like, you need enough space to be able to be organized. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> so too. there's not junk everywhere. No, that is true, too. That is true. But I think you can, as long as you plan it and, you know, be smart about it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that'll be, that's one of the things we talked a lot about before deciding to have a child was how how can we have a child in our family and and g- build our family in a way that's true to what's important to us yep. and not get sucked into what you and I both perceive to be kind of like the stereotypical family life, yep. which is, you know, not that interesting to you or me. And that's no, just, not, that's a personal, it's not a judgment yeah. on anybody. That's just it's a, not who we are. It's not who we are. I have very little interest in being a helicopter mom and shuttling the kid here and there and piano and dance and basketball and soccer. And, you know, like I don't, I don't want to spend my time that way. (laughs) And I don't want, I don't think that's necessarily the healthiest for, for a child anyways. And so being able to create our family life the way we want to. And I mean, this is true for every parent. Like you decide how you want to parent and what your priorities are and what you think is important. And I love that. And for you and I, what we think is, is important is, you know, time in nature, learning uh, skills that are going to carry them throughout life. You know, it's so much like sports, especially, I mean, in the U.S. and then I think here a little bit, but 
you know, there's so much pressure put on kids by 10, 11, 12 to like pick a sport. Pick a sport and you're going to be great at it and play it year round and compete and just this whole thing. Yeah. Like we want our kid to be a skier and a climber and I can't wait to teach them all about breath work and yoga and how to stay calm and how to have emotional intelligence. So like, you know, talking about emotion and talking about where you feel emotion in your body and, you know, this kind of this idea of unparenting actually, where maybe there's a little less structure in some ways, but the type of structure you have is really specific and really intentional. Yeah. It's about a freedom in many ways. Yeah. But you can't have freedom unless there is some structure. No. That is. You know, and letting letting the kid make mistakes and letting the kid eat some dirt and <laughs> fall from the tree and, you know, not being like so prissy about everything. Yeah. Like, oh, my little angel. <laughs> but the funny thing is we don't know how we are going to react to this because. No, we don't. We got to wait a few months and yeah. and then we'll really see what is, what, yeah. what's going to it and yeah. how this will change us as people. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you just never know. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm going to be a strict parent. Yeah, I think think so too. But and that's but that could totally change. Maybe uh, I won't be. Who knows? Yeah, you know, for me being an older parent, an older mom, I love it. I'm so excited. Yeah. It's like the absolute perfect time for me to become a mom in my life. Yeah. And that's because I was so busy doing all these other things, and then, and then you and I. I mean, yeah, our entire relationship has been like. <laughs> this and that right, and, and this and move and all move and yeah. the cancer the and car crash and we hit the deer that time yeah, like, I mean yeah, just like it, all over the all over the place but also our relationship and our marriage had to land a yes. little bit yeah. what I've been doing here for the last couple of years you know yeah. Really yeah, I agree. set and you know yeah I think that's had to happen first before I agree. we can even have had a kid. I mean, I can't even imagine if we'd had a kid five years ago, four years ago, three years ago. Yeah, it just we weren't ready. We would probably figure that out too. But yeah, of course, like people figure it out all the time, whether you're ready or not. Yep. But we, I mean, but we knew that from day one when we first started dating and and decided to get married, and you know, we knew kids weren't at the time, our number one priority, like, you know, we were, we were like, yeah, we think we might want a kid, but let's talk about it later. You know, we, and we agreed on that. Yeah. We were, we weren't sure. And I think that's the important thing. I think it also took several years to actually, okay, we actually want to have a kid. Yeah. Like, you know, even though I've been, I've worked with a lot of kids throughout the years. Yeah. I know you're a pro at changing diapers and I've never changed a single diaper. (laughs) Yeah. One of my skills. One of uh, your skills, yeah. No, but it's just it took me it took me a long time to actually just yeah, you know, get into that right mental stage. Yeah. Even though well, I, I I'm good at working with kids. Yeah, you're very life, good at it. But it just uh you know, from kindergartens to coaching kids and all this stuff, it's just it took me a long time just to Okay. I want to do this myself. I had I had to be ready. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think you you were more you were worried about falling into the trap of like yeah 
kind was, of the American trap, which is where the kid is the center of the family. Yeah. And it's like, oh, well, what does the kid want? And, oh, we've got to think about what the kid needs. And it was terrifying. It was absolutely, it's, it's, it's still is terrifying, but it's a yeah, big, big part of yeah. how I think. And, you know, we still talk about it. You yeah, know, we schools do. We talk about it all the time. And, you know, we got to do this and we go to do that. And yeah. that's still terrifying to me. Yeah, and in some way, of course, we will kind of conform into that. But I, I still think that there's a lot of different ways to parent and a lot of different ways to create your family dynamic. And I still am totally convinced that, you know, we set the tone. Yep. And we can, especially with only one child, like, they fit into our life, not the other way around, yep. you know. But we we have to hold that boundary and, and hold that line and... Um, that's why I think I'm going to be kind of a strict parent is I'm old enough and settled enough in who I am to be able to be strong and not be like, Oh, okay, whatever you want, kid, you know? Yeah. I just want my kid to like me. Well, no, they don't have to like you. I mean, hopefully they love you, but you know, you, you discipline is a part of being a good parent, I think. And and I think kids are like dogs in some way, and like all humans, where we need to have boundaries. Yep. We need to know what the boundaries are. We need to know what the limits are. And I think a lot of kids aren't given strong enough boundaries, and that's why they start to act out, you know, as they keep trying to push and push and push yeah, the boundary. Yeah, boundaries. Um, yeah. It is. But I think there's a reason for the kids to push boundaries, and this is... You know, it's almost getting into when we start started this episode. It was about my coffee and my routines and yeah. just all the, you know, you always said I'm really spe- specific yeah. about certain things. Yeah. And it's like, it's my way or no, no, no <laughs> That's way. That's true. And I think just for you know, bring a kid into this, and I think it's still going to, it's going to be our way. And I think yeah. that's like, that's the thing, like what other people do and what they, how they raise their kid and if they want to be soccer moms and yeah, as long as we live our life. Yeah. And this is really important. It's not about, I think, especially living in Norway too, is about judgment. Mm. Where other people are judging you? Yeah, other people can be judging me, which I learned how, like, I don't really care whatsoever. Yeah. And But it's the same for us, you know, when we talk about parenting, because there's so many different ways of parenting. Yeah, there is. So, it's just, yeah, it's about things, it is what it is, you know. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, and you just try, you try your best. Yeah. Well, that's why there's that's there's this whole thing with mom guilt, and I don't know if dad guilt exists, but um, you know, and I think mom guilt comes from women are getting the messages from other women that they need to be doing more as a mom, you know, baking the the perfect Pinterest cookies for the class party, and you know, being at every soccer game, and you know, and trying to be a good wife, and trying to be good at work, and trying to keep the house spotless, and. You know, for me, I don't feel a lot of that pressure. Like, I... Well, is it not who you are? Is it's it? not who I am. And I think that's partially because of my age, too. Where I'm I'm just like, hey, I really don't care what anybody else's judgment is. No, as well, long as I'm happy, as long as you're happy, as long as our kid is happy and healthy. Yeah. 
you know? So I'm not really like too worried. But isn't this like coming from different cultures again, though? That you're, you come from this creative, outgoing, you know, I call it, you know, you're our, you are a yoga teacher. Yeah. You know, you picked me up at the airport <laughs> in the summer of 2012. You were wearing those heppy pants. <laughs> yeah, I was. You know, it's like a tent, right? Yeah. And these big, baggy palazzo pants. Oh, yeah. I loved those pants. Sage green. Oh, they were great. But there you have your who you are. You know? Yeah. And, and, and I would say for sure, I'm definitely maybe not a typical American either. No, you're not. Yeah. But you're also a skier, and there's there's so many things right. that come Well, and that. I was raised really, I mean, I would say fairly alternatively. Yeah. Also. You were. You know, and so that really shaped who I was. And, and I think that, you know, that's why it's so interesting. Like, you know, you come from this very small town in Norway, and then it's so random that we met, you know, and I come from you know, wherever I come from in Idaho and, and my life and my background. And we found this common ground that was so common. <laughs> we decided to get married yep. and build this life together and, you know, try to create a vision for ourselves and now for our family and our baby. And it's like, it's so cool to see how it unravels. And I think, you know, we've had a lot of hardships in our relationship and a lot of hardships in our life, both our lives, you know, separately and together. Yep. And to be able to have trust in another person is a really big deal, too. Oh. You know, even when things feel uncertain. Yeah, and I think just for the marriage, you know, yeah. you have to you have to trust each other and yeah. to just and support each other. Yeah. In in the best way you can do. Um, but we also you know, we talked about we've talked about this several times. It's the relationship with yourself that's the most mm-hmm. important, and then it's your partner, Absolutely. and then it's your kid and dogs. If you don't forget the dogs. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I think that's where I agree, and I think when you have that, when both people in the marriage or partnership are on the same page with that that your relationship to yourself should be the number one priority and that we both have needs and that our needs might be different from what the other person needs. You know, I think we do a really good job of that. And in particular, you know, when you're like, oh, I want to go up to the mountains and take the dogs for a weekend and go camp or I want to go ski this line or whatever. I'm like, good, go do it. Yep. You know, and when I want to go on a girl's trip or see my friends um, from the States, you're like, go, good. Yeah, fine. Yeah, I think you know. that that been really helpful that we both in the same page on that one. Yeah. We never stopped each other from going anywhere. Yeah, ever. Or doing anything and doing it's, anything. Mm-hmm. Because we know how important it is. I I think for the success of a marriage. Yep. To have a lot of freedom to be your own person. You know, but then I guess too, then that comes down to trust also. Yep. Like, do you, are you worried about what your partner is going to be doing while they're gone? Like, no, I'm not. You're not. No. And we're going to be a lot happier people if we get to go do the things that we want to do and love to do. Yeah. You know, when we come back. Yep. And we're filled up and, you know, it's like that saying, like, you can't pour from an empty cup. Yep. 
you know, you have to, we have to feel fulfilled as individuals mm. so that we can then show up in our partnership and then we can show up for our family, our child yep. and our dogs. Yeah. And that doesn't mean like everything's always rosy. No, 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 no. It's not. And, but I think that goes, I think that's at least our way of having like a balance, you know? Yeah. You know, you, you have to be in balance with yourself Yeah. and then, you know. It's easier to be in balance with, with your wife or your husband or and your and your kid and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then when you're on the same team and you're like, hey, yeah, we're, it's, it's a teamwork. We have the vision, and we in order for this vision to work, we both have to get what we need. Yeah. And it can't just be about one, you know. And so then, of course, there's compromise. A big part, oh, yeah. compromise oh. is a big part of it, and I think, I think that was the struggle with the culture shock. For both of us, yeah, both in the U.S. and in and in Norway, we felt we compromising too much. Yeah, we both felt we were compromising too much, and yet we still didn't feel like we were meeting in the middle. Yeah, in some ways, and so then if you feel if you and as a partner feel like you're compromise, you're giving too much and not getting enough, then that's not a good situation. You know, and I think there was just so much extra pressure in our circumstance, like. If you had been an American or I was a Norwegian and we just, you know, already knew the same cultural backgrounds yeah. and, and spoke the same language. Yeah, no, it would be a totally different It would be a totally so different thing. Yeah, totally different. Because the compromises would be much different. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think there's any right answer to that. And that's why, too, you know, thinking about 90 Day Fiancé, like, I get how hard it is. <laughs> When there's massive cultural differences and and you look at like the Norway and the US, you're like, oh, well, they're both, you know, Western countries. Like what's the big, what's the big cultural difference? Well, there's a lot of them, yep. you know, a lot. And they're, they're more subtle, but you see them for sure. And you add that pressure into a relationship. And I think, I think a lot of relationships probably would not survive. No. I is. think we do and did because we had the vision. We had a vision and... Also, and we trusted though, each other. Trusted each other, and you know, even though we had to compromise, yeah, I think that oh, for us to saying yes to the other one, go somewhere or do something they loved, or just not being holding back the yeah. other person. Yeah, if we started doing that with each other, it would get way tougher. Yeah. Well, we wouldn't be together. No. <laughs> That's just the, the simple part of that. Yeah. It wouldn't, that would be the deal breaker. I don't know. So it's, yeah, it's really fascinating to think about. And it's like, you know, this, this type of a conversation too is a practice of yoga. We call this svadhyaya, which is self-reflection or self-inquiry. And, you know, talking with your partner, like the person that you choose to have an intimate relationship with is a mirror like a really big mirror for who you are mm -hmm. and what you need to work with. And, you know, yogically speaking too, we talk about karmic contracts and, you know, I absolutely believe that we found each other and we fell in love and we got married because of a karmic contract. Like our, my soul needs to work out certain karmas. Your soul needs to work out certain karmas. And so we are doing that in through our relationship together And so all the hardships we've experienced and who knows what's going to happen in the future, you know, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping things are going to be a little more smooth sailing for us, but you never know what could happen. No. Um, 
and especially with bringing a brand new baby into the world. Like there's a lot of uncertainties with that. Um, but I, I, that's part of probably my trust in our relationship is that I have the background of yoga. That's like, Hey, this is really important. Like I'm supposed to learn from you and you're supposed to learn from me. You know, I think that's kind of an interesting way to look at it also. Yeah. And it's, I think when we bring our different mindset into our life, yeah, I think that's when it's, it gets to become fun and interesting and joyful and yeah. 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 Well, and you, what did you think when we first started dating and I was this weird yoga girl and I was doing all this stuff, putting oil on my body and scraping my tongue and using essential oils? Yeah, I don't really know. It's just, I still, I, I specifically remember when, you know, you picked me up at the airport. Of course you were late because you're, yeah, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's how, how it is. No, I wasn't late. You were early. I was early. Oh, yeah. Your flight yeah. was my, early. My, my flight was early. And that's it. Yeah. I don't think I, I thought. It wasn't, even though you did all these oils and all these things, it wasn't anything negative about it. It was kind of no. like intriguing, like interesting. Like, yeah. You know, coming from the culture I come from and not yeah, being... and I was a vegetarian. You were a vegetarian. And that was kind of, yeah, that was, wasn't a big problem as long as I got to <laughs> eat, <laughs> eat meat. <laughs> eat meat. Uh, and, yeah, then, you know, maybe it was for, like, weird the first day, but just, you know, who, I had to figure you out as a person, too. You know, we met, you know two, three days in Sermat, then coming for figure out you in two weeks. Yeah. And yeah. But I mean, even since then, you know, over the years, you know, all the weird stuff that I, you know, cause this is a, but there's a way, is it really weird? Isn't it just being, no, I don't think it's weird at all. No, and I don't think it's weird at all either. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. just, it's the normal. It's the, but it's just you don't do all the same things I do. I don't do all the same things. I don't put oil on my bodies and yeah, all these different things. Yeah, you just don't care if I do. No, I don't care if you do. No, you know, because that's a that's something that comes up in like my teacher trainings a lot is people are like, oh well, you know, when I start changing my lifestyle and I'm following Ayurvedic principles and and yogic principles, like what happens if my partner doesn't like it or what happens if the way in which I change is too drastic for my partner, you know? And so I always, I think about you and I, because you, and I think this is another way in which you support me is you don't necessarily do, you don't take the same Ayurvedic herbs I do. You don't follow some of the same protocols that I do, but you have zero problem with me doing yeah, and I chanting around the house or, you know, you don't like when I do the Palo Santo. Palo Santo. I'm not a huge fan of never been. Yeah. It's just, too strong. Uh, but why editors don't understand why it sh should be a problem for me. No, it shouldn't. Because, I'm glad it's not. No, because I think it's about ownership. I don't own you. I don't no. own your body. Like, no, it's, yeah. it's, it's not. Yeah. You don't own me. Right. Right. And that's, you need to do whatever you need to do. Yeah. 
you know, to make you feel healthy and well and yeah. intact. Yeah. So I, yeah, I don't think it's, yeah, I don't know. I've been kind of probably living with this for so many years that I don't <laughs> even think about it. Yeah. And I, but I mean, that's why I say like weird, it's not weird to you or me, but if some of it's, these it's practices were brand new to somebody. Yeah, it could be weird, but I think this is, I think this is a, it's been a process for me too because yeah. I was when we met I was really strict on living life I was eating healthy and exercise and all of that but it yeah. was really yeah yeah regimented regiment yep um but after you know I'm, the period that I lived in the states taught me definitely to see things a little different and we talked about that like you see things in color. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I see things black and white. Yes, that is true. That's a big difference for us. It is. I think that's the... And I still, I think mine is have some colors more now than they used to. I would agree, yeah. Um, but that's because your mind was already open. It was, yeah, it was already like open. Like you, but you just maybe hadn't been as exposed. Exposed, no, it is, and... But I also believe certain things needs to be black and white. Yeah, that's true. Um, well, and I think that's where we meet in the middle. That's where we meet in the like, middle. Like, you have made me more strict in certain things. Yeah. And I've made you more open in certain things. Yeah. You know, and I think that's a good relationship and a good exchange, you know. Yeah, it makes it interesting and yeah. fun and... Well, and hopefully you are growing, you know, in any relationship you're in, you're, you're, you're moving forward. You're not yeah. staying stagnant or moving backwards, backwards. You know? from each other. Yeah. And then too, when we put those energies into a baby, you know, they get the benefit of both. Yeah. So hopefully we'll it has your calmness. Yeah. I hope so too. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. I hope. Yeah. Uh, well, I think that's where we end. I want to, you know, thanks for coming on the podcast yeah. and it's, oh, you know, it's fun. fun. Take a little trip down memory lane. Yeah, it is. It's like, God, so much, so much happened. And think about all the good food we've eaten too. Mm. Over yeah. the years, but all the places we've been and yeah, all the places we've been. Yeah. All the travels and yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. And I think, you know, life happens so quickly and it's really easy to, to forget yep. what's happened and where you've been and how far you've come. And, you know, so doing like these little check-ins either with yourself on a journal or, or with a friend or with a partner, I think can be really helpful to just be like, wow, do you remember that? Oh yeah. Huh. You know, and kind of seeing how we've grown and yep. no, I can't believe we've been married six years. <laughs> it is. That's crazy. Years. Time goes by so fast. It is. Too fast. Yeah. Yeah. So we got to enjoy it. Yeah. All hug, we can do. Hug the puppies, hug each other. And um, to everybody listening, I hope you stay safe. I know we just got the news that the lockdown is lasting until April 13. So enjoy your time. Look at it as a positive rather than, than a negative. And um, I think that's where we'll end. Baby's kicking. Time for me to get up. <laughs> all right, that's it. That's all. Thanks, everyone.